The following message was given to the North Young Adult Group at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Moundsview, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church slash Young Adults. Really excited about, especially when you talk so much about cultural things, which is, we have done that a lot. Um, it's good to kind of step back from that and focus on ourselves, because if we are not communing with God, then we aren't going to be of any light to the world whatsoever. So I feel really refreshed by um, having worked through this devotional, and I'm hoping that it refreshes all of us. Um, prayer is often a mysterious and frustrating thing for Christians. Uh, we wrestle with questions like, what is prayer? How do we pray? Is God listening? Uh, does it make a difference? How often should we pray? What should we pray? Who should we pray for? Um, so if you, you've all probably wrestled with those questions. Um, and in one sense, that's okay. There's definitely a learning curve in prayer. Uh, but I also... Uh, don't want us to be satisfied with prayer as uh, a lifelong struggle that we'll never fully understand and never fully enjoy. Uh, prayer should be a, a natural and regular part of our lives. Our whole framework of Christianity is built on faith, right? Our whole framework is built on faith. And prayer is one of the clearest expressions of faith. It acknowledges our dependence and reliance and trust on God, and it gives it gives words to our dependence and reliance and trust and faith in God. Lack of prayer is a lack of faith and a lack of reliance on, on God. And as a result of prayer comes all of God's blessings that he is eager to give. Hence the verse, you have not because you ask not. Right? Um, I just read this book this week by Thompson. Nothing is more necessary to be used of the true Christians for the continuance of God's favor and of his heavenly blessings toward them and for the avoiding of all plagues of displeasure and prayer. So today we're going to look at one of Paul's prayers in Colossians 1, which is really cool. If Paul were alive today, how would he pray for us? How would he pray for Bethlehem? How would he pray for the adulterers? What type of prayer would it be? And we have the great privilege of reading Paul's prayer from, from uh, the scriptures. And as we go through this, a question to ask is, is the core, is the core idea of your prayer life, the core uh, you know, conceptions and prayers, do they relate at all to what the core of Paul's prayers are? That's a good question to ask here in this. Um, I don't think we're supposed to take Paul's prayer and like, this is the, this is the way to pray, like these exact words. But it does produce a model of prayer uh, for us. And so what we want to ask is, does our prayer life correspond with what's at the core of Paul's prayer life? That's a good question to think about as we go through this. And, and studying the prayers of Paul will help us orient ourselves to the core elements of prayer. So I think there's a lot of significance in, in uh, studying the prayers of Paul. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through, we'll read it, and then have some thoughts on it, and then at the end a couple just reflections on 
what do we see about prayer in general? So, maybe let's just go for it. So, we have it on the screen. Um, if you have a Bible, you could pull it out too. Um, I'll read verses 3 to 14, but we're only going to walk through close detail 9 to 14. Colossians 1 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope led up to you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from the Patmos, our beloved servant, he is, a, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and has made known to us your love and the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, here's some background. The Church of Colossae is a new church. If you look in, um, in verse 7, there's this guy named Epaphras. And Epaphras had taken the gospel to, the, to Colossae. And the result of that was, uh, verse 4, that there's faith in Christ and love for the saints. And Epaphras brings that report back to Paul. Paul, the church of Colossae, um, they have faith in Christ Jesus. And they have love for the saints because of the hope laid up in heaven that they heard in the word. So the word came through Catholics of the hope in heaven, and they put their faith in Christ, and they have love for the saints. That's the report. And Paul's prayer is a response to that report in verse 9. So when you see the word, and so, I think I can go on this. And so, from the day we heard of your faith and of your love, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. So this is the core of the prayer right here. His main request is that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's the main uh, request of this prayer. Everything else follows from that happening, which is what we'll, we'll walk through um, next. So, yeah, maybe I'll just lay out the outline of the prayer, and then, and then we can go from there. So this is the main request, that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's the, that's the main request. And the result 
So as the result of that being filled is that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. That's the result. So they're filled, and the result of that filling is a manner of life that is pleasing to the Lord. It, a manner of life that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And then the next thing that Paul does is he gives uh, four, four ways that you walk in a manner pleasing of the Lord. Number one, bearing fruit in every good work. That's the first one. Bearing fruit in every work. The second one is increasing in the knowledge of God. That's number two. The third one, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And the fourth one is giving thanks to the Father. So, you're filled with the knowledge of his will, spiritualism and understanding. The result is that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And Paul fleshes that out, which looks like bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened by his glorious might, and giving thanks to the Father for the gospel, which is the last. Um, so that's a quick outline. Maybe we'll just do it one other way. Filled with the knowledge of his will, spiritualism, understanding, that's the main, main point. The result is that we walk in a manner work pleasing to the Lord. And there are four ways. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being empowered by his glorious might. With purity and patience. And giving thanks to God with joy. Who qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. So that's kind of my outline of, of Paul's prayer. Now, um, maybe the first thing to note is we were talking about this at the leadership team. I don't know exactly what it is. Other ways we want. <laughs> thing to notice is that here's how the prayer works. First, there's a filling, right? And then there's a walking, right? And this is how the Christian life works. We are first filled from God, united to Christ, filled with God, and that filling produces right living. And that's what the whole book of Colossians is doing. The whole book of Colossians is about us being united to Christ and living in light of that union. Living in light of that. So, so let me parse that out. They don't teach us PowerPoint in seminary. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> So filling in the book of Colossians. Here's how I would unpack it. In Colossians, Paul unpacks us being 
united with Christ. And here's what it looks like. Christians have received Jesus, 2.6. Christians have been filled in him, 2.20. Have been circumcised in him, 2.11. Have been buried with him in baptism, 2.12. Were raised with him through faith, 2.12.21. Were made alive by God in him. Died with him. Are hidden with him, 3.3. And will appear with him when he appears in glory. And that's mainly, if you look at the references, chapter 2 and the beginning of 3. Chapter 1 is a prayer, and this is who Christ is. Chapter 2 is, you have been united with him, filled with him. Here's where you stand, right? And in all these examples, I mean, it's beautiful. We have been filled, united with Christ. The result of that is right living, walking in a manner worthy, which means putting to death earthly things in you. It means putting on the new self, which is being renewed. We've been talking about that recently. It means putting on Christ-like qualities, like love and kindness, which are practicing too. It means doing everything in the name of Jesus, who you represent. Whether you're a wife, 318, a husband, 319, a child, 320, a father, 321, a servant, 322, or a master, or one, aka whoever you are, whatever you're doing, do everything in the name of the Lord because you have been united with him and filled with him. That's the whole outline of the book. So when Paul prays at the beginning, he's praying in light of what he's about to unpack in the book of Colossians. And so this is really good to get a grasp on as we spend the whole summer walking through the book. Um, keep in mind uh, this, this, um, this outline. Filling comes, we'll see that chapter 2, and then as we get to 3 and 4, the, the life is unpacked as a result. It's all summarized in, I think it's 2, 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And then our theme for the summer, kind of rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. So that's why our theme is rooted in Christ. I think those, that verse, if you're going to do a summary verse of the book of Colossians, I think that's a great one. As you have received Christ, so walk with him, rooted and built up with him, and established in the faith. So, filling precedes doing. Once you have been filled correctly, then you will be set to act accordingly. Um, in week one of morality, when I was speaking, I said that your moral choices and dispositions should not be primarily shaped by others' perceptions of you, or the cultural currents that are constantly changing, or your upbringing, or your feelings, or anything, but by what corresponds with who you are and your purpose in the world, which is the whole first part of Colossians. You are united to Christ, and so walk with Him. So your whole, your whole life flows out of who you are and what you're filled with, which is what we're doing. I also, um, I wanted to return to something so that I remember. Um, five consequences of doing before filling correctly. If you, if you try to do first to get there, you can fall into one of these pits. You will become um, a self-righteous or self-righteous in crowd, like the Pharisees who wanted to pray, God, thank you that I'm not like that I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. Um, the doing preceded the filling. 
proper filling. So be fair. Um, another way it could look is you will be you be a shame-ridden stumbler. Um, you have this shame and you have this guilt, and you're trying to figure out what to do with it. And if you're not rooted with Christ, you will stumble around for trying to fill those voids with anything um, that will work for you. And that will result in a life of, of, of stumbling around and feeling like you never measure up. Number three, uh, one way, this, this is more how it would look for me, how it did look, is you just do whatever you want. Uh, if you're not built right, then, well, you just do whatever you want, and you serve every passion uh, that you have. Uh, I think each one of us will be more inclined to one of these, but we, we can all do each of them. Um, if you're not filled correctly, what you do do, let's say you do try to live a life of, of good moral action, um, it will have no ultimate and productive purpose or consequential good ultimately in this world. You may be able to do some temporal good, um, but of ultimate consequence and purpose you will have. And then I added a fifth one this week. Uh, you'll just pervert morality. You'll take morality and define it however you want, create your own moral code, and you'll just Morality. These are consequences of doing before being um, filled correctly and properly yeah, in Christ. And so I just want to re remind us of some of the things we've talked about in moral formation as we move through this. Mm. Right, so before I have to, I just want to walk through some, maybe some more of the text here. The main prayer is that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. Right? That's the main prayer. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. And I think the will of God is all that God wants, desires, and expects of you. Um, for example, 1 Thessalonians 4 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. And he goes on to list other things. That's the will of God. If you've ever wondered, what is God's will? There's something you can latch on to. Another one, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Isn't that helpful? So I think those are specific examples. But I think the will is the all-encompassing um, this is God's uh, desire uh, for you, his good plan for you. This is what he expects and lays out for you to follow and to walk in. I think that's what it means. And then, I think this one is really important, that you would be filled with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So uh, it might might say something like knowledge of his will, uh, which consists of wisdom or understanding. And I think what it means is wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit, right? So the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So it qualifies the understanding that you're supposed to have. Um, this is significant because in chapter 2, Paul, Paul's going to talk about uh, false doctrine. So people are going to come in with ideas and knowledge and understanding, and they're going to, 
They're going to throw it out there for the church to gloss it. But it's not spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so I think this is an important part of Paul's prayer because he's going to be unpacking. Um, this is a new church. Guys, don't be swept away with, the doc, with this doctrine. I'm praying for you that you would be filled with, a, with the knowledge of God's will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. And, understand. and I think that comes from the Spirit of God. So you'll notice that uh, there's Trinity in here. So you've got the Holy Spirit. You got the Lord, which New Testament is Jesus. And then, most specifically, giving thanks to the Father. And a lot of Paul's prayers, um, you, you'll find the Trinity in there. And so it'd be a great study to, to go through the prayers and go, okay, what is the, what is the, what are the roles of the Trinity in, in, in Paul's prayer? And I think this is where, I just added this in a paper of mine, where's the Holy Spirit in Colossians? It's all about Jesus, where is the Spirit in there at all? And this is the key. The Holy Spirit fills you so that the whole rest of Colossians can come through for you. Nothing good happens apart from the Spirit's filling you first. His work in you. That's the key. And while it's not emphasized in the book of Colossians, I think it's there in the prayer. Filled by the Spirit with His wisdom, His understanding, so as to walk in the manner worthy of Jesus, who you are united with, who's before all things, who's When you walk with a king, you should be yourself royal in. How do we pronounce that? Gate. Royal gate. When you commune with a prince, you should not act the clown. It's all, always better to have a high standard than a low one. I like that. If you're filled and united with Jesus, then walk worthy of what you're filled with. You're filled with Christ, who's supreme. Right. That's chapter, That's the rest of chapter 1. And if you're filled with Christ, don't ask the clown around you. Walk worthy of him. That looks perfect. So good. The result of being filled, it's kind of a summary, of being filled with the knowledge of God's will, with spiritual wisdom and understanding, is that your life begins to overflow with what you're filled with. If you're filled with culture and politics and entertainment, you're going to live in light of that, of whatever uh, you're filled with. The question here for us is, is your life marked by being filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding? What are you filled with? Paul's prayer for the Church of Colossians is that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, so that they would live in light of it, fully pleasing to Him. Let me just give you a taste of this in chapter. 3.18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord, and not for men. Knowing 
that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord, Christ. Do you see the emphasis of his practicality? It's do everything to the, for the Lord. Not, not, don't, do, don't be a man pleaser. Please the Lord because you are united to him. So big question for us is are we oriented to pleasing the Lord? Is that, is that a primary desire in our life? We're going to have more um, Spurgeon quotes, so get ready. <laughs> um, so, next, I'm not going to spend uh, too much time on this. Uh, I can spend so much time on this passage. So there are four ways we talk about um, what does it look like with, with uh, pleasing the Lord. Well, first, it, it's bearing fruit in every good work. Beautiful thing. The word is the seed, right? The sower went out and sowed the seed of the word. The word um, is planted, it sprouts, and the, the prayer is uh, as you walk in the earth, is in God will bear fruit in every good work. Whatever you do, do for the Lord. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God, um, which is beautiful because he's praying that they be filled with the knowledge, and the result of being filled with the knowledge is that they increase in the knowledge. That's the, that's the cycle. You become what you are, and you continually become it. And the result is that endurance and patience. Uh, uh, I don't think what joy goes with that. I think what joy goes with but the result, the result of increasing in knowledge is endurance and patience. And D.A. Carson, where's my D.A. Carson book? This is worth a pause, I'm sorry. Praying with Paul. This is a book I would, uh, very few books I get jazzed about, um, like devotionally. And this is, I just read this. This is so good. So one of the things he talks about at this point is uh, our culture is, is, is not an endurance, patience culture. It's, uh, uh, you know, drink a couple beers, beers get a high, and crash the next day, you know, that, that type of thing. And he talks about uh, Paul's encouragement here uh, is that the way you please the Lord is to endure uh, well patience as he strengthens you. Uh, so that's a little, I'll have more parsing for And then third, with joy, give thanks to the Father. Giving thanks to the Father. And at the heart of this is the gospel. God the Father has qualified you to share the inheritance. You see that? Qualified you. No matter what you do, you cannot qualify yourself for the inheritance of the saints in life. You can try all you want, but uh, God has the qualifying. You cannot meet his expectations. And this is the beauty of Christianity. And he does it by delivering us from the domain of darkness. That's where everyone is apart from the spirit. 
Everyone's there for our spirit. He delivers us from the domain of darkness and transfers us. You don't do anything. <laughs> he qualifies you. He delivers you. He transfers you. In him, we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. The gospel. So, what pleases God is giving thanks to God. Right? That's how you walk in a manner of pleading. With joy. What greater reason to have joy? With joy for all that God has done in delivering you, qualifying you, transferring you, providing redemption and forgiveness of sins. As a result, with joy, give thanks to God. And so those are ways you can impact those more, but those are ways that you can walk in a manner of pleasing of the Lord. spiritual truth, endeavor to know it inside out, to know its foundation and building, to know it by the application of the Spirit to your own soul, so that you are filled with it. You may have knowledge in the brain, but it may not run into your spirit, so as to penetrate and permeate, saturate your spirit, so you are filled with it. Oh, to get the gospel into one's entire nature, and to be like the water pots of Cana, fill up to the brain. Lord, Fill your poor children with the knowledge of your will. I'm trying to provoke um, certain authors during this, this talk. So Spurgeon is one of them. Uh, four reflections of prayer as a result um, of this. Of this uh, number one, prayer is responsive. Prayer is a godly responsiveness to God's work. And if you have your Bible, here's how it works. Um, Paul's never met the church of Colossae. And when Paul hears of their fruit, this is the prayer that erupts from his heart. Um, prayer is a godly responsiveness to God's work. So, how do you react when you see or hear of the fruit of somebody else? What is your gut response? Here are some possible reactions. You could be intentionally passive. I only pray for those who are in need. So, if they're doing so good, don't really need them. It's just, you know, I pray for those in need. Number two, it could be skepticism. Their fruit is probably fake. It'll wear, it'll probably wither out soon. Skepticism. Number three uh, could be jealousy. I wish this was happening to me, or to my church, or to us, or to my small group, or to uh, this ministry, uh, that type of thing. These are common reactions that we can have to hearing of God's work in other people's lives. But Paul hears of the fruit and intentionally and regularly prays for the increase of the fruit. Mm. God, continue their faith. God, make them more fruitful. God, continue to fill them with spiritual wisdom. Continue it and do more. So my encouragement here is, have your ears open to the work of God with joy and anticipation. God is working, and that's a good thing. His word is bearing fruit. It's being planted. Um, and Christians should have their ears open and attuned to the work of God in the world and respond in prayer. Rather than constant skepticism and analysis, 
course there's a place for that. But I think there's something huge to be said about having a heart that's responsive with joy and expectation that God's word does not turn void and it does things. It bears fruit. And so I want to encourage us to have at a place where we are taught to analyze everything, which we've got to do because the church needs people like us. Um, but to, with that, have a heart that is soft and open and responsive to what God is doing, because God is doing things. His word has always produced fruit. It's always right, and we should join into it. Actually, just brings to my mind in the Old Testament when other people stop, start prophesying and they come to Moses and say, Ooh, we can't do that. Just, I wish everyone would prophesy. It's great. You know, Moses had that. <laughs> Number two, so prayer is responsive. Prayer is regular. Uh, Paul says, since it's the day we heard, have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. This is a common phrase in Paul. Ephesians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Timothy. Um, another way to think about this is a common instinctual habit. It's built into you like brushing your teeth or eating or making your bed. It's a habit. Mm. And forming the habit of prayer, uh, it happens over time. If prayer is not a habit for you right now, you have other instinctual habits built into you. There's not nothing there. You have other habits built into you. You might text a parent or a friend. You might watch a light and fluffy TV show. You might uh, put in your AirPods and get lost in music. You might do yoga. Whatever it is, um, the habit of prayer it needs to be cultivated and formed in your life until it becomes an instinct and a habit and a spirit about you. And as you trust and rely on God, you will continually grow to continue to trust and rely on God. I loved uh, Pastor John's illustration last week. Never heard this in my
success in exam, the emotional needs of our children, success in our mortgage application, and much more of the same. How much of Paul's praying revolves around equivalent items? If the center of our praying is far removed from the center of Paul's praying, then even our very praying may serve as a wretched testimony to the remarkable success of the processes of paganization in our lives. So what, what, what is at the center of your prayer? Um, a verse that comes to mind is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. Um, our Father in our heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and glory. Um, and the primary at the core is spiritualness. And so I think this is helpful for us to think about. Number four. Prayer is intercession. Paul is interceding on behalf of the church of Colossae and asking God to do a work among them. Do your prayers only revolve around you, or do you, do you make it a priority to intercede for those around you? No. I mean, I, can, I thought I could list a bunch of practical ways to do this, um, but uh, uh, you guys know. So go for it. Um, this is meant to kindle what you guys are so, um, be kindled by Paul's intercession on behalf of the Church of Colossae. I mean, he shows Paul's heart, but he doesn't know these people. And yet, he is, he is uh, his heart is raised up for hearing the report to intercede on behalf of them. That's his version. If you would have your friend converted, if you would have them strengthened, if you would have them taught of God, if you would have them quickened to a nobler life, and elevated to a higher consecration, do him this great service. Take his case before the Lord in prayer, and in so doing, you have drawn the wisest way in work to a rich end. That's how you can love your friend. So if you guys pray for me, please pray that I will be filled with the knowledge of God's will, spirit, and wisdom. so much that you have sent Christ to be the propitiation of our sins and who has met all of our all of the qualifications that we need to share in the inheritance of life. Of life. We will spend eternity with you um, not condemned for our sins because you have sent Christ um, in our stead on our behalf and we thank you Father with great joy Things could be very different for us, and they should be very different, but you have stepped in, and you are our salvation and our light, so we praise you and give thanks to you. So once again, O oh Father, I ask that you would fill the young adult ministry, all of us here, with the knowledge of your will, 
with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I pray that you would rise up in all of us a desire to pray for one another, to see fruit in one another, and to give thanks to you and to pray more for one another. And I ask that you would, um, yeah, as a result, that we would grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Young Adult Ministry at Bethlehem Baptist Church, North Campus, in Moundsview, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at bethlehem.church/youngadults.